Um, I, I don't know if, um, if this has been your experience or, or not, but for me personally, um, in my life, I, I cannot think of a time uh, where things like peace and hope um, and joy have been so elusive in our world as they are right now in this kind of moment that we find ourselves in. And so because of that, um, I think this is also the most incredible moment and the most important moment that we have the opportunity to actually understand and to hear and to know the message of peace and the message of hope and the message of freedom that Jesus has come to give each of us. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that for you personally. I don't want you to just know that as an idea. I want you to know that's true. I want you to know that's true for you. And so there's two things happening in 2022 that I want to invite you to be a part of beginning in January. We're going to be doing a class on Wednesday night called Why Believe the Bible. This is a class I'll be leading for three weeks. Uh, if you're a Bible skeptic, um, if you're not sure that you can actually trust what the Bible says or you don't know um, that there's actually a reason why you should trust what the Bible says, I would love to invite you to come to this class. I'm going to be leading this class and we're going to be looking at um, the, the Bible and understanding why it is in fact actually trustworthy, why we can believe what it says to us. And also, I really want you to, to know, um, what, again, what the Bible says for yourself. And so in 2022, as a church, we are partnering with the Bible Recap. If um, ladies, for those of you who are part of our Women's Christmas Gala this year. Um, the, the Bible Recap speaker, Tara Lee Cobble, was our keynote speaker there. We're going to be partnering with the Bible Recap all throughout 2022. We want to help you read through your entire Bible or listen through your entire Bible in 2022. It takes eight minutes a day. That's it. And I promise you, I promise you, you will learn so much. And the Bible maybe for you will become, for the very first time in your life, something that you actually understand when you read it for yourself. I want you to join us in both of these things. The way to sign up, the way to be a part of these, whether you're online with us, we're going to be doing this online as well as in person. Um, the way to sign up, when you came in today, somebody handed you a bulletin on your way out, they will hand you a bookmark or they will. there's a table with these bookmarks that are available. Um, you'll see there's a QR code on that bookmark. Just scan the QR code. You'll get all the information that you need online. A member of our host team will be happy to put some information into the chat box for you right now so that you can participate and I hope that you'll sign up to do this with us as a church in 2022. Now it is Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, the Gospel writer Matthew, who begins his account of the life of Jesus by saying um, that this is how, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. And before we jump into the Christmas story tonight, we have to pause here for just a minute because we need to talk about this word right here, the word Christ. Because many times um, people act and people think that this is kind of like Jesus' last name, right? Like Mary and Joseph Christ and their son Jesus, right? But that's not what this is. This is in fact a title. This is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah and it literally means the anointed one. And understanding this word is actually incredibly important to understanding Christmas. In fact, this is the part of the Christmas story um, that oftentimes we miss. Because on Christmas, we celebrate the entrance of a king into the world. Not simply a religious figure, right? That's where people go wrong. No, a king. We celebrate the entrance of, of a king who came to reverse the order 
of things. A king who came to lay down his life for his subjects rather than asking his subjects to lay down their lives for him. A king who would then go and say to his subjects that you are to go and lay down your lives for one another. And the kingship or the, the lordship or the right to rulership of Jesus is so oftentimes lost on us because of how many times we kind of think of Jesus and how oftentimes um, we relate to Jesus. And again, this might, be, um, this might be your experience, I don't know, that in many ways that Jesus is kind of reduced down to a, a backup plan. Or, or perhaps um, he's a, a spare tire. Maybe Jesus is really, um, for you, nothing more than just a, a one-way ticket. And see, Jesus' right to rule in your life and, and right to rule in my life and right to rule as a king, um, that, while that may be lost on us, the truth is it was not lost on Mary. And it certainly was not lost on Joseph. Because on that night when the angel appeared to Mary to tell her about this, this child, that she was about to have, I want you to listen to what the angel says to Mary because we miss this. The angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. Right? This is royal language. This is in fact a royal title. This son would be the son of the great king. And if there is ever any doubt as to Jesus' royalty and his right to rule, listen to what this angel says next because we miss all of this. The Lord God will give him, that's Jesus, the throne of his father David. Right? This is Israel's second king. And he will reign. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And then the angel, if we ever had any doubt... Right, the angel makes it so abundantly clear. In fact, this is why I want you to, to, to know your Bible and to read your Bible. Because the angel makes it clear that not only will this play out throughout Scripture, not only will this play out in the past, the angel makes it clear that this is going to play out forever. Because the angel concludes by saying this, Mary, your son's kingdom, it will never end. In the original Greek, the way the, 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 it was originally written, it actually says that of his kingdom... There shall never be an end. That Jesus will always be a king and Jesus will always have a kingdom. That Jesus is still a king. And then when the angel later appeared to Joseph to tell him about this child, about this king that Mary was about to bring into this world, listen to what the angel says to Joseph. Again, we miss all of this. The angel says this, she, that's Mary, will give birth to a son. And you, Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus, which is the English version of the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua, which means savior or, or warrior, because he will save his people from their sin. Now, I don't know if you consider yourself to be a Christian or um, not a Christian or you used to be, but even for those of us who are followers of Jesus and, and who would say that we do, um, we do believe in Jesus even to this day, do, do you know why, if we're honest for most of us, um, why we don't get emotional personally? Um, why we don't kind of light up inside? Why we, don't, why, why we don't feel something powerful when we hear that Jesus came to save his people from 
their sin? Because see, the truth is, for most of us, if we're honest, that's not actually what we hear. What we hear is that he is to be called Jesus because he will forgive his people of their sin. Which means that if we're not careful, we will reduce Christmas to simply forgiveness. In fact, perhaps that's your entire experience with the church. Maybe that's your entire experience with Christianity or, or with Jesus. In fact, maybe your entire religious experience um, can be summed up in this simple phrase that nobody's perfect, right, but, but God forgives. Nobody's perfect, but God forgives. But I, nobody's perfect, don't worry, I mess up. But whenever I mess up, God forgives me. I mess up and God forgives me. See, the truth is, for many people, this is their entire religious experience, and this is their entire experience with church. This is their entire experience with Christianity. But see, the message of Christmas, and the message to, to Mary, and the message to Joseph, in fact, the message of the Gospels is so much bigger than this. Because Jesus came into this world not simply to, to deliver us from the penalty of sin or, or the consequence of sin. In fact, the truth is, most oftentimes, think about it, on this side of eternity, we are not delivered from the consequence of sin. Instead, Jesus came into this world to deliver us from the power of sin. Jesus came in the spirit of Yeshua of Joshua, the, the warrior king, to set you free from and to set me free from the power of, the kingdom of, the, the nation of, the dominion of sin and the power of sin in our lives. In fact, this is what we see played out all throughout the Gospels. This is what we see played out all throughout the course of, of Jesus' ministry. In fact, um, maybe you're, you're familiar with this amazing story where one day Jesus um, is outside of the temple. And, and these re religious leaders, um, they, they take this woman, right? And, and we don't know if this happened the night before um, or, or the morning of. But, but regardless, th this woman has been accused of adultery. And so these religious leaders, you have to picture this in, in your mind. These religious leaders, they take this woman, this is terrible, and they drag her through the streets of Jerusalem, back and forth across the city of, of Jerusalem, trying to drum up a crowd. And they drag her from one end of the city to the other end of the city. Finally, they reach the temple. They drag her up this massive set of stone steps to the very last place she wants to be. She is now on the Temple Mount. And less than 30 yards away from her, there are people sacrificing animals for people's sin. This is the last place she wants to be. And these religious leaders, they take this woman, they throw her to the ground in front of Jesus. And Jesus knows that this isn't really about her, that it's really about him. Jesus knows that they're trying to trap him. They're trying to use her to trap him and to try to make a point. And so they look at Jesus and these religious leaders, now that they've assembled a crowd of people, they look at Jesus and they say to Jesus, Jesus, our law says that we must stone a woman like this. We are to execute a woman like this. Now, Jesus, what do you say? And so Jesus looks at these people. He looks at this crowd who is here to see a person die. He looks at this bloodthirsty crowd. And he looks at them and, he's, and he knows Right, he knows that this isn't about this woman, this isn't about justice, this is about trapping him. And so he looks at this crowd of people and he says to them, go ahead, do what you came here to do, just one condition. Whichever among you, whoever among you has no sin, let that person be the person to start. 
Right? You know the story. It's so powerful. Right? And one by one, the people in the crowd, they drop their stones and they walk away. And then Jesus, he, he, he kneels down next to this woman, right? And he says two things. Two things. One that's famous and one that's not so famous, right? Jesus looks at this woman and he asks this woman, he says to her, he says, where are your accusers with a smile on his face? And this woman is in complete disbelief. She has no idea what is going on. And she just looks back at Jesus and says, they left. They, they left. And then Jesus says to her, this is so amazing, you have to picture this, God in a body smiles at this woman and says, then neither do I condemn you. I who have the right to condemn you, Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. That's the famous part. That's the first part. That's the part that, that we remember. Neither do I condemn you. Basically, you're forgiven. In fact, this was the thing that Jesus was constantly saying that got him into so much trouble with all the religious leaders because the religious leaders were always like, okay, Jesus, how can you say this to somebody? Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus will always look at him and be like, hello, big clue, right? Neither do I condemn you. And then he says to this woman, right, and this is the part we miss, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. To which we should ask, is this possible? I mean, can we actually leave our, our lives of sin? Can we actually leave captivity to sin? Can we actually leave the nation of sin? Can we actually say no to the power of sin? It's on another occasion that Jesus is once again talking to another group of religious leaders. And he, and he looks at them and he says something that, that all of them agreed with. Everyone agreed with. Everyone listening to Jesus that day, they all knew that this was absolutely true. Because Jesus said, listen, um, the thief, the only reason the thief comes, a thief comes, all thieves come to do this. This is the reason why thieves come. They come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then Jesus contrasted what everybody knew that was true about thieves with himself. And he says, okay, but I have come. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And listen, that sounds bigger than just forgiveness, doesn't it? Because, see, forgiveness just puts me back at zero. And Jesus said that he has come to do more than to simply put us back at zero. That Jesus has done to, come to do more than just simply forgive us for our sin. That no, Jesus has come to actually deliver us from the power of sin. Jesus says, there's a reason my name is Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. Because I have come to free you from something and not simply deliver you from, for something. I've come to free you from something, not simply forgive you for something. And then 20 years later. Right, 20 years after Jesus spoke these words, the Apostle Paul, right, who, who began life as a Jesus hater, 
and who ended up becoming not only a follower of Jesus, but also the author of, of half the documents in our New Testament. The Apostle Paul, who is absolutely brilliant, he, he puts into words the reason Jesus came into our world on that very first Christmas. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, therefore, right, he gives us a command, which means, don't miss this, he thinks this is possible. He thinks this is possible. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Right? In other words, do not allow sin to continue to be your king. Do not, allow, do not allow sin to continue to be your master so that you obey its evil desires. Do not allow yourself to stay under the authority of sin, he says. To, to which it's like, okay, Paul, I didn't even know that was an option. Paul, you're saying that this is possible? You, you, you're saying that this, is, this can be true of me? That's, that's what you're saying, Paul? To, to which the apostle Paul would say, yes. Yes, listen, Jesus, the reason, this is why Jesus came. The reason he came was to deliver his people, to deliver you people, to deliver us people from, not simply give forgiveness for, but to deliver us from the power of sin. He continues and he says this. He says, do not offer. Right? Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather, right, rather, which means there's an option, which means there is, in fact, an alternative, which means there is, in fact, a, a, another way, which means, listen, if your entire experience of church has been this never-ending cycle of sin, get forgiveness, sin, get forgiveness, sin, get forgiveness then perhaps, perhaps the Apostle Paul would say to you, perhaps you've actually missed one of the primary reasons why Jesus came into our world. Rather, he says, rather offer yourselves not to sin, but to God. As those who have been brought from death to life. See, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to the full. And when Jesus said this, he wasn't simply talking about being forgiven um, for your sin. No, that's part of it. Jesus was talking about being set free. Being set free from. From your sin. Then Paul continues. He says this. This is amazing. He says, for sin shall no longer be your master. And see, when the Apostle Paul makes this very simple, straightforward sounding statement, he's actually telling us something hugely profound about the nature of sin. Because the Apostle Paul is saying this, listen, I know that you're used to thinking about sin like it's an action, like it's a verb, like sin is this thing that you go out and do. But the Apostle Paul is saying that's not actually correct. That's not the way you should be thinking of sin. Sin is more like an entity. It's more like a disease. It's more like a thing. Right, notice he's not saying the devil. No, he's saying sin. In fact, this is why the Apostle Paul would say it's why you have this experience sometimes where it seems like there's two of you, right, and you want to, um, but there's a part of you that doesn't, and there's a part of you that knows that you should, but you probably won't, and there's a part of you that says that I know I should, um, but more than likely I'm not going to anyway. And the, and the Apostle Paul's like, that is what sin does in you. And that thing that's in you, that is what Paul is saying that Jesus has come to free you from. 
And then at the end of this incredible teaching, right, this incredible teaching, the Apostle Paul, he sums all of it up by making a statement that many of us have heard at some point in our lives. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, for the wages or the outcome or the result or the consequences, right, the wages of sin is death. And see, here's what you know and here's what I know. In fact, you don't have to be a Christian to know this. You don't have to be a church person to know this. In fact, um, you don't even have to be a theist to know this, right? This is what every single one of us, we, we all know this because we've all experienced this. We all know that sin kills things, right? Sin always kills something. Some of us have had a marriage that's been killed by sin. Some of us have had our finances killed by a lack of self-control. That's sin. Some of us have had a, a relationship with our kids, with a son or with a daughter, killed by either our sin or, or their sin. Some of you have seen an addiction kill a relationship, kill the way that you view yourself. Right? You, you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. The reason you don't like what you see is because of sin. See, wherever there is sin, something always dies. We know that, right? We know that. In fact, all of us have experienced that in some way or the other. But see, here's the part of this that I don't want you to miss. This is the part that's a little less intuitive. Because see, even forgiven sin kills things. Even sin that has been forgiven, it continues to kill things. Our prisons are filled with men and women who have prayed and asked God to be forgiven of their sin, and God has forgiven them. And yet they will continue to spend the rest of their lives or a good portion of their lives in prison because even forgiven sin kills things. And see, listen, Jesus came into our world to do more than simply forgive us for our sin, but to be Joshua, to be the warrior king, to deliver you from, to deliver me from the dominion of, the captivity of, the, the power of, the nation of sin. Because the result of sin, the wages of sin is always, always, always that something dies. But the gift, right, the gift, I mean, come on, it's Christmas, right? But the gift of God is eternal. And here's that word again, life in Christ Jesus, King Jesus, our Lord. And see, when you're a kid and you hear this, you just think to yourself, okay, that just means I get to go to heaven when I die. That is not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, the gift that you actually receive when you place your faith in Jesus, that is a gift that you receive right now in this life. You receive the gift of God's life. You receive the gift of, of eternal life. You, you receive the gift of a life that is free from the power of and free from the dominion of, from the bondage to sin. A life that actually frees us from sin's control. That is the gift of Christmas. Not simply forgiveness for, but freedom from the power of sin through Jesus. This is the gospel. And this is Christmas. 
Jesus came so that you can have a new life, so that you can have a new Lord, so that you can have a new master, a new king, a king who will not steal life from you, but who promises to give life to you and give it to you to the full and to give it to you freely. Which means, listen, if you're a Christian, right, and, and, and maybe you became a, a Christian um, like I did a, a, as a child many, many years ago. Or, or maybe for you, you became a, a Christian as, as a teenager. Maybe it was through a, a youth group or maybe it was through a, a summer experience at a camp. Maybe for you, you actually became a, a Christian through a, a campus organization when you were a college student. Or maybe for you... You became a Christian later on in life when you were an adult. Listen, if, regardless of that, if you're a Christian, right, if you're a Christian, if, if, you, if you prayed that prayer, right, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you're a Christian and your entire religious experience, um, it kind of feels like what we talked about earlier, this never-ending cycle of trying, failing, getting forgiveness, trying, failing, getting forgiveness, then the truth is, okay, the truth is, you're kind of like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And listen, you're wandering around with those ruby red slippers. And the truth is, you can go home. You can go home anytime you want to. You can be free from sin anytime you want to. You can say no to the bondage and the power of sin anytime you want to. And see, maybe the truth is, just like Dorothy, all you need is someone to tell you. So I'm going to tell you. Listen. Sin is not your master. Alcohol is not your master. Prescription drugs are not your master. Your anger is not your, your master. Jealousy is not your master. Your rage is not your master. Your habit is not your master. A, a lack of self-control in some area of your life is not your master. Jesus came into this world to do more than simply forgive you of your sin. He came to free you from, to free you from your sin and your bondage to sin. And see, the unsettling truth about Jesus being a king and the unsettling truth about the fact that he is a king is that Jesus is actually the king who allows you and me to say no. No. Jesus is the king who invites, but Jesus is the king who never intrudes. And see, listen. When you and I choose not to follow the king, right, then you and I choose not to participate in his kingdom on earth, which is in fact just a small reflection of his kingdom in heaven. That regardless of what I believe and regardless of what you believe, regardless of what we think about the fact that Jesus has forgiven us for our sin, when I choose not to submit to the king, I also choose not to participate in his kingdom in this world. Which means, when I opt out, 
I miss out. And see, the truth is when you opt out, you miss out as well. And you know what happens when we do this? Our faith is reduced to doctrine. Our faith is reduced to religion. You'll be a Christian in the modern sense of the word. You will not be a Christian in the original sense of the word. You'll say your prayers to an invisible God. You live your life and you'll ask for forgiveness from an invisible God. And you'll go about your daily life. You'll go about your daily life even with the assurance that somehow you are even in fact forgiven. But you will miss out and I will miss out on what only comes to those who choose to participate in the kingdom of God on earth. And to submit ourselves to the rulership, to the lordship, to the kingship of Jesus. Because it's only to those people that submit themselves to Jesus' kingship that experience his freedom. Those are the people who experience his joy. Those are the people who experience his peace. In fact, this is the very reason why Jesus invites all of us to participate in his kingdom now and not once we die. But rather in this life. So that we could actually experience peace and joy and hope in this life. And because he is the king who invites, and because he is the king who is always willing to bring people into his kingdom. Listen, if you ever get fed up with you, and you don't call it sin, I get that. Right? For you, it's your boss, it's your parents, it's the way you were raised, right? it's the situation at work. I get that, I'm not being critical, I'm just saying, listen, if you ever get fed up with you, and if you ever get fed up with that thing that seems to control you, if you ever get fed up with the self-destruction that seems to come out in all the relationships that are actually the most important thing in the world to you, if you ever get fed up with those self-destructive habits that seem to come out of nowhere, if you ever get fed up with all of that, listen, I have some great news for you. Christmas. Christmas is a standing invitation Christmas is a standing invitation from your heavenly father to experience life and to experience a relationship and to experience a kingdom where sin is no longer your master. And see, listen, I just want you to come and see. I just want you to come and see. Beginning in January, we're starting a brand new series on what it means to actually follow Jesus. What it means to actually follow a king who has come not simply to forgive our sin, but to save us from, to deliver us from our sin. A king who came into this world, not simply so that we would know that one day, someday we would go to heaven when we die, but a king who came into this world so that you could experience life full life, real life, life without the bondage to the power and the captivity of sin. And so I just want you to come and see, come and see that you have actually been invited to participate in, not just believe in something, 
that you've actually been invited to participate in the kingdom of God and to experience life. One of the miracles of Christmas is that wherever people have actually taken that invitation, this invitation seriously, you can fact check me on this if you want to, in those places in our world, our world has actually become a better, safer place. Because it's in those places in our world that people learn and they begin to experience, they begin to see each other, they begin to see themselves through the eyes of their Heavenly Father and through the eyes of their Savior. Through a Savior who came to free them from and deliver them from the power and the bondage of sin. On Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a king. And see, the question for you, the question for me is, listen, is he your king? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you will be celebrating the birth of a king. And so tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to call Jesus your king. I want to give you the opportunity to, to change kingdoms, to leave the kingdom of sin and death, and to enter into the kingdom of life, enter into the kingdom of new life, to enter into the kingdom of Jesus. Because the amazing thing about Jesus is wherever Jesus goes, wherever the king goes, his kingdom goes with him. And so for you to enter the kingdom of new life, for you to enter into Jesus' kingdom, it is as simple as simply asking Jesus to enter into your life. It is as simple as asking Jesus to come into your, your own life and to bring, for him to bring his kingdom with him. Because I want you to experience what it means to be saved from and not just simply forgiven for sin. And it's as easy, it's actually as easy as this simple prayer. This is the prayer of the Apostle Paul. I'm sorry, the Apostle John. It's the last prayer in the Bible. And it's, the prayer is simply this. Come, Lord Jesus. It, that is the simple invitation to invite Jesus into your life, to invite the new kingdom of Jesus into your life. And so I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I'm going to ask all of us. We're going to pray this together. Ready? Ready? Come, Lord Jesus. Let's do it again. Come, Lord Jesus. One more time. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Come, Lord Jesus, into my life. Jesus, I ask that you would bring your kingdom and your life to me. Because Jesus, I believe, I, I believe, I still have questions, but I, I do believe, Jesus, that you are a king. And Jesus, I believe that you are the king who has come to free me from and not simply forgive me for sin. And so Jesus, I do ask in these next few moments that you would hear each of us as we take these next few moments to just silently and personally speak to you and that Jesus, that you would, 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, that you would bring a new kingdom, that you would bring the kingdom of Jesus into every single person in this room right now who is asking and who wants to be freed from the power of sin, from the bondage of sin in their life. And so, Jesus, we ask, come, Lord Jesus, hear us now. good news of the gospel is that Jesus always answers that prayer. That wherever he is invited, wherever he is asked, even when there's questions, even when there's doubts, he always brings his life. He always brings his light. He always brings his hope. And he always brings his grace. His mercy and his strength. And so the good news of the gospel is, yes, you are forgiven for your sin, but even better than that, you have been delivered from the power, the bondage, the captivity to sin in your life now. Amen.